from 99.9 The Fan. This is The Drive with Tim Donnelly. Sponsored by Coach Pete at Capital Financial Advisory Group. Visit us at CapitalFinancialUSA.com. Longside Mark Bergen, Dennis Cox here with you. It's the ACC Baseball Championship. We are here live at Durham Bulls Athletic Park. Game two of three games being played right now of pool play. Pool play run started today, runs all the way through Friday. Top 12 teams in the ACC going at it. Every team gets two games in pool play. One game already down. We saw Boston College take down Virginia Tech. Right now, UNC is playing Georgia Tech. They're through four and a half innings. We go to the bottom of the fourth. I'm sorry, bottom of the fifth here in just a moment. Carolina, the home team, leads it 4-1 over Georgia Tech. But the big things, Carolina Hurricanes losing game three, and it's frustrating. Nuggets sweep the Lakers. NFL news. Panthers going to get the NFL draft? The city of Charlotte, that is? I don't know, Mark Bergen. We're going to find out. Let's go to the Daily Checkdown brought to you by Window Nation. But first things first here in the NFL, we actually have some rule changes. Luis Fernandez and I talked yesterday about how the NFL is implementing basically their own version of an emergency backup goalie uh, with the third goal <laughs> with the uh, third quarterback uh, being dressed on the roster. So the third the way that works now with the NFL is that you can dress a third quarterback on game days, but they can only play if the first two quarterbacks are hurt. And again, that third quarterback has to be on your 53-man roster. So basically, they want to prevent what happened with the San Francisco 49ers last year in the playoffs against the Philadelphia Eagles where Brock Purdy got hurt and then Josh Johnson got hurt. And then they had nothing other than Brock Purdy just handing the ball off to Christian McCaffrey or Debo Samuel. That's all it was. So that basically allowing teams to have that third quarterback. It's an emergency basis, but that's all what it's for. So that's the new rule regarding quarterbacks. But now they also, Mark Bergen, you pointed out to my attention earlier, a new rule with fair catches and kickoffs. Yeah, so you can fair catch behind the 25 and get it at the 25. This is on kickoffs specifically. Yes. So player safety is important. Yeah. This also comes simultaneously while they can flex the late Thursday night game. So potentially the NFL could force eight teams to play five games at a rest disadvantage late in the season to flex the teams that they want to on Thursday night in prime time. Make it make sense, Dennis. None of it makes sense. So again, the fair catch rule is on a kickoff. You can fair catch a kickoff. All right. Now a fair catch on a kickoff. If you do it at the previous rule was if you fair caught the ball at kickoff at your own 10 yard line, not punts kickoffs, then you start with the ball, at the 10 yard line, but to match the college rule in college football, if you fair catch the ball inside the 25 yard line, the ball comes out to the 25. And that's basically what the NFL is adopting. It's on a one year trial basis. So, and I, I get the data, I get the player safety. I grew up watching Devin Hester though. So it's like, yeah, I'm I know robbed of that a little bit of a, a great return. And you can see the league is moving more and more towards let's try to keep the player safe. I get it. But then you can't also at the same time flex the Thursday night. Games. Again, it's a, the hypocrisy of the NFL when it comes to this stuff. I honestly like the XFL's kickoff rule. I don't know if you've ever seen it before. So the way the XFL does it is that the receiving team lines up all 10 of their guys, one uh, at the or 10 of their 11 guys at their own 30 yard line, one guy back to receive the ball. Mm-hmm. The opposing team is just five yards away at the 30 yard line. But no one can move until the ball is actually caught by the returner. Interesting. So that's that's how they do it. So you don't have these full speed collisions, and it actually it it's almost like a, a spread offensive play. 
it actually it's actually implement to me in my mind it's safer but also you actually get some pretty exciting plays we're gonna eliminate well. special teams after a certain point i, I mean that's well, what we're moving apparently towards. all the all the special team coaches in the nfl unanimously were like no <laughs> do not want this fair catch they know the roster goal. the best though because they know what guys have to be able to do in yeah different situations different situations you want to go to the next one next up all right greg Olson. one of the one four sec. all of the four or half of the four we got sounders here mark bergen welcome to the radio side of things we got sounders over here <laughs> greg olson adding another accolade to his career yeah now an do? emmy winner an emmy outstanding personality and emerging on-air talent he won that on monday night kudos to him and i thought he did a great job broadcasting the super bowl as well I hope he can stay in the Fox Sports lead role for as long as he can for whenever the GOAT Tom Brady wants to take over. Are we sure Tom Brady's going to be a good broadcaster or not? That remains to be seen. But Greg Olson, kudos to you on the Emmy. All right, so the Emmy again was for which category? Outstanding personality okay. slash emerging on-air talent. So basically, it's like they're just pointing out, hey, this guy's an up-and-comer Let's give this guy some kudos and some credit right I now. I thought he this did a great job throughout the, the playoffs, Bowl. too, to where he's able to explain it in a way to where if you know nothing about football, yeah. it is clear, it is understandable. But it's also explained in a way to where if you're a football guru, if you watch, if you can't get enough of football. If, you're, if you chew tape in your free time. Yes. Like you're at yes. lunch and you just watch the all 22. You're still entertained. That's very hard to do to be able to satisfy both parties. Pause. Uh, that is something that is a very, very difficult thing for a lot of broadcasters to do is, again, finding that balance of casual fan and diehard and being able to, to to appeal to both. It's a very difficult thing to do, and it's not something that, for a color commentator, is very easy. Play-by-play -play is a much different beast. With him as a color commentator, uh, I thought he did a fantastic job on the Super Bowl. He and Kevin Burkhart were absolutely fantastic. So the, kudos to, to both those guys. All right, next up. One, two, three. The NFL announced yesterday that they're going to Green Bay in 2025 for the NFL draft. And in the 2025-2026 season, they're going back to Levi Stadium in Santa Clara with a, the home of the San Francisco 49ers for the Super Bowl, which Panther, Carolina Panthers fans would know that is where they lost in Super Bowl 50 to the Denver Broncos, but we're not going to relive that. That's okay. You brought it up. Well, I'm just saying we're not going to relive it. I've just mentioned it. We're not going to relive it. There's two different things, Mark. Two different things. Now, the city of Charlotte, Carolina Panthers, apparently are now have been pitching the idea to the NFL. Apparently, they're pretty open to this about the city of Charlotte hosting the NFL draft which I think would be awesome. You put that in Uptown Charlotte. Now, I don't know exactly where it would go uh, because one thing that you need to have is you need to have space for stage, space for fans to stand and, and to commune. I don't know the exact place where that could possibly work out. I'm, I'm not not adept with everything in you know with the city of Charlotte regarding those kinds of amenities. But nonetheless, I think it'd be super cool if the city of Charlotte were to host an NFL draft, especially with the team, the franchise, hopefully with the new quarterback and new regime and head coach uh, under Frank Reich, Bryce Young being the number one overall pick, that they can turn things back to when Cam Newton was here and back to being a, a relevant talked about team. It showcases a city. Yeah. And that's been the best part about the NFL draft. I remember early on they were saying, let's take the draft outside of New York City, New York, New York. Yeah, the Radio City, city so Music Hall, yeah. It's one of, it was one of my favorite 
events to watch each year to see a player sit in the green room. And it's like, oh man, I remember when Aaron Rodgers had to sit and wait. Yeah. I remember when Brady Quinn had to sit and wait. But what the beauty of the NFL draft has done now that they've taken it on the road is that the nation gets to see that NFL city at its absolute best. Yeah. And that's been a very, very cool thing to watch, whether it's been in Nashville, Tennessee, or Las Vegas, or Chicago, or Cleveland. They've had it all over. Mm -hmm. Nashville, we were talking about a few segments back saying, I've never seen the streets of Broadway packed like that. It was like Babylon. So you get cities showcasing to the world yeah. at this event where players get to achieve their dreams. Let's bring the NFL draft to the Queen City, Charlotte, North Carolina. Let's do it, Dennis. Yeah, I, I'm for it. I mean, it's, it's similar in the sense that the city of Raleigh got to display itself at the stadium series when the Carolina Hurricanes hosted the Washington Capitals. Like That was an opportunity. And obviously, Carolina Hurricanes had that game for a couple of years. COVID pushed it back. But it was, again, it was an opportunity for the city of Raleigh and just uh, the, the state as a whole to really showcase itself. And they executed it. It's like, hey, you know what? We have a strong, passionate fan base. These big events can be held here in our state. And obviously, Raleigh doesn't have an NFL team. But, I mean, I think it actually would be pretty cool if it was in Raleigh, obviously. Just have it at Dick's Park. <laughs> um, I mean, if you, have Dreamville, if you can have Dreamville Fest there, you can, you can host an NFL draft there. But... It'd be really cool for the city of Charlotte to display itself. Like you said, the best things that North Carolina has to offer and what that city has to offer as well. Not just from a, just what takes place on the field or on the ice or on the court, but the culture of the city, what the city is all about, I think it'd be awesome. And don't forget the barbecue either. We just had the draft in yes. Kansas City. It's a different style of barbecue in KC. Yeah. You get all the barbecue. So if it's going to be in Wisconsin, we're going to get all the cheese. Yeah, we Don't forget just... about the barbecue. I'm going to say not if, when Charlotte hosts yeah, the NFL Yeah, when draft. Charlotte. So in Green Bay, it's going to be all about cheese curds and brats up there and, and, and Miller Lite. That's all it's going to be up there, which is totally fine. As someone who previously once lived in Wisconsin, brats and cheese curds, absolutely delicious. But if you're going to display the barbecue in Charlotte, make sure you display, hey, we have Eastern style. And we have Lexington style. That's what we have here in North Carolina. Don't show any of that South Carolina garbage. I don't want any of that mustard-based crap. Don't want any of it, okay? Keep that stuff down in South Carolina. Roger Goodell called Dennis Cox when you need consulting on what we're going to do for hosting the NFL draft in Charlotte. It, you should be the first person that they call in terms of what barbecue are we getting? Yeah. We're calling you, Dennis. Uh, myself and Chris Lee. Those are the two people you need to call upon. All right, next up. And I don't even care who number two is. Denver Nuggets heading to the NBA Finals. First yeah, time in franchise existence. Kudos to them. Nikola Jokic, the whole gang. Jamal yeah. Murray, all of them. Lakers lose in four games. You buying or you're selling LeBron James retiring, Dennis? I'm not I'm not buying that he's going to retire. I, I'm, I would buy that he will take some time off. I think he... It would surprise me if he were to be on the Lakers at the start of the season in regards to, well, he's under contract, so that, that's a different thing. But actually playing on opening night, I think it's just my gut telling me, no one actually truly knows this. The way his body has been taking a beating physically over the last couple of years, ankle injury, foot injury, groin injury, I think he takes some time off to get his body right. I would not be surprised if he doesn't play 
until Christmas Day. Like it's like the big day of the NBA season, right? Christmas Day. So like extended load management I, to start the season. I I would not be surprised if that's the case again, just to get himself physically right because as much as a physical machine that guy is, he's still 38 years old. And he's got 20 years, yeah. 20 years of NBA mileage on his body. And it's not just regular season, 10 straight trips to the finals as well. All those games that are being played, I mean, yeah. 10 straight trips to the finals, you're playing roughly what, 20 to 25 games each of those years. Let's just low ball and say 20, all right? Low balling and saying 20. Yeah. 10 years of doing that. Okay, let's just say 25, actually, because you're looking at a six-game series in each of those. So 25 games, that's roughly 200 to 250 extra games on top of the regular season of 20 years. I think this was very calculated from his standpoint to stay in the storylines to where we're talking about him instead of the Nuggets the day after the Lakers get swept. What happened to LeBron James playing with his two sons, Bronny and Bryce? I think we do live in a world where that happens. I don't know if there'll be teammates. I don't know if he'll be an NBA teammate with his son, but I do think we see a day where he's on an NBA floor as a player yeah. with his son. I do think we live to see that day. Because I, I think Le- Bronny's, Bronny James, LeBron's son, some people were early projecting like the 2024 NBA draft because why not? Uh, we haven't had the 2023 draft yet, but we're already projecting the 2024 draft. Some people say that he's, he's, he's a lottery pick. And you know what? That's totally fine. As Georgia Tech just hammers one over the left field fence, and it is a home run. I can't. Did that hit the bull? No, it went over it. Oh, actually, went over the bull. Okay, so Georgia Tech just hits a home run. So we have a home run that was just blasting here. Again, we're live at Durham Bulls Athletic Park. Let's see, get a get a check and see who that is. Uh, that is uh, John Geisler, a sophomore, just hit his. Eighth home run of the season. Absolutely smoked that. Just, over the Durham Bull here us, at the D-Bap. Crushed it over the bull. Now, if you hit the bull, you win a steak. Hit the grass, win a salad. If you go over the bull, you should get a whole rack of ribs. That's all I'm going to say. Get a whole rack of ribs. And it's. I think it's someone Someone probably caught a ball way down Tobacco Road. On the fly. I mean, that thing was absolutely mashed. Just crushed. Jeez, look at him in the dugout, too. He's got a. He's got, <laughs> He's got some a- sort of. Uh, cowboy hat on. Cow. Hey, you know what? Got to celebrate. So right now, North Carolina leads Georgia Tech 4-2 in the top of the sixth. Game two here of the ACC Baseball Championship of Pool Play. All right, let's next up. More great news for carry commuters. With the new GoCarry app, you can track your bus live on the interactive map feature. Stay informed with the latest news and service updates right at your fingertips. Save your favorite locations and routes for quick and easy access, making your daily commute a breeze. Plus, with the GoCarry app, you can easily connect to GoCarry.org for even more resources and information. Best of all, the GoCarry app is absolutely free to download on the Apple and Google Play stores. GoCarry, where getting there is just a tap away all right number one thing here on the daily check down brought to you by window nation carolina hurricanes lose game three one nothing to the florida panthers they now trail the series three games to none we turn to adam gold host of the adam gold show which you can listen to from noon to three right here on 99.9 the fan he gives us two minutes two minutes two minutes, two minutes. let's do that hockey All right, ladies and gentlemen, I got two minutes for nothing. And it's all brought to us by Dysart Willis, high-stakes litigation and defense, online at DysartWillis.com. 
Hurricanes.com. When I say nothing, I kind of mean nothing. The Carolina Hurricanes have not scored a goal now in 120 minutes and 8 seconds. At 1.43 of the first period of Game 2, Jalen Chatfield scored. Carolina had a 1-0 lead. There hasn't been a lot since for Florida. They've only scored three goals, but the Hurricanes have scored none. And you can't win a game scoring no goals. However, that doesn't mean Carolina didn't play well yesterday. They did. They had chances. Ajo goes cross ice for Seth Jarvis. Jarvis has a step trying to cut across, but Forsling, good defensive play. He'll drop it back for Ajo. He gets right to the front of the paint, and Bobrovsky makes a save, and then Forsling sends Ajo into the net, knocking it off of the peg. Burns able to get it out to Ajo now, up to Nason. He's in, and a huge glove save by Sergei Bobrovsky. Nason tried to pick the corner, and Bobrovsky continues his outstanding goaltending. Kokiniemi with a heavy hit on Mark Stahl into the corner. He'll come up with a puck. He'll roll it back for Gostisbehere. Spun for Chatfield. His shot right on. Rebound comes across. Kokiniemi was tied up just enough by Stahl where he couldn't get a clean look. Oh, he had a lot of net. 4.25 left here in the second period. Kings win the draw. Shea sends it out in front. It goes off in Jarvis' skate. And Bobrovsky might have gotten a piece before it goes through. Pesci in the slot. He rings the post. Rebound back to Brett Pesci. He'll get it to Kokinami. Sharp angle shot, and that's caught and hung on to by Bobrovsky. Oh, Pesci had Bobrovsky beat. The Pesci post probably sums up Carolina's first three games as well as anything. It's not just the great saves that Sergei Bobrovsky has made. And keep in mind, 132 saves on 135 shots. That's a 978 save percentage. But Pesci's shot in the third went through Bobrovsky and hit the post and came out and Carolina maintained possession. That's how Carolina's series has gone thus far. But I will say this. For the third straight game, Carolina had a higher expected goals than Florida at 5-on-5. This one should have been a 3-1 win at 5-on-5. But none of that stuff matters. I'm just saying that Carolina has played well. Can they get one? Can they give us the hope of getting one? I say yes. Get it. Get it Wednesday. We'll see you Friday and have one final jamboree at PNC Arena. Maybe. But you got to score a goal. Two minutes brought to us by Dysart Willis. High stakes litigation and defense. DysartWillis.com. Check them out online if you need them. Big thanks to Adam Gold. That's two minutes of gold. If you, you can check out the best of the Adam Gold Show podcast, wherever you get your podcast, as well as the Canes Corner podcast, check the Morning After Pod with Adam Gold, brought to you by the Aluminum Company of North Carolina. Now, Mark Bergen, as a Canes fan, that game yesterday, and you hear Paul Bissonette, you hear Wayne Gretzky, you hear Anson Carter, you hear Henrik Lundqvist, all and the TNT broadcast during intermissions of post game saying Carolina is playing a great game. Mm-hmm. Like they're playing the ideal road game that you want to play being down 2-0. like you're hearing that. Like, this is how they want to play. Like, this is perfect. They're doing everything right. Except they can't freaking score. I said this off the top of the show today, Dennis, Andre Svechnikov. I know you're watching. You can yes. have my ACL to suit up and get yes. for, I am volunteering it. Fly me down to sunrise, Florida. And let's make this happen because 
this offense has just been brutal to watch, but it's been so close. Yeah. Because they've had opportunities off the post for as good for as good as the goaltending has been for Florida. For as good as as amazing uh, as the goaltending has been. They've also gotten lucky too. Yeah, they've, they've, gotten, they've gotten lucky. lucky. They've, they've gotten a few bounces. So they've been lucky and good. Yeah, they've, and, and okay, something to keep in mind here as well when we talk about the Carolina Hurricanes and their offensive struggles, it's not like the Florida Panthers put up five yesterday. The Florida Panthers only scored once. So it's they can look and say, for them, even them themselves, like our offensive production hasn't been great either. They only scored, they scored three goals in the first game, but it took four periods of hockey to do so. They only scored twice, and it took overtime to do so in game number two, and they only scored once yesterday. So it's not like Carolina is facing an offensive juggernaut right now. So both teams are struggling to score. The, the Florida Panthers have scored six goals in 13-plus periods of hockey. They've scored six goals. That's it. Yeah, That's it. There have been 13 periods total in this series through three yeah. games thanks to all the overtimes. Neither team has led by more than one goal at any time. Yeah. Tells this, you everything you need to know. Everything you need to know. And a lot of people saw, yes, the lack of scoring is frustrating. And a lot of a lot of Canes fans I saw online and even having conversations with them as well was they're trying to go back revisionist history, say, well, you know, we had $10 million of cap room at the trade deadline. Yeah, they did. And they're in the Eastern Conference final. So what's your point? Like I, you're try, it's it's funny how people are trying to go back and go the uh, go back to the lack of scoring and the reason for that was because they didn't make moves at the trade deadline. Whereas the teams that loaded up with scoring, New Jersey Devils, that loaded up with scoring, New York Rangers, where are they right now? The teams that loaded up with scoring, Boston Bruins, they're at home. They're home. They're home right now. So, I, I that's something I don't get. And no one was complaining about the goal scoring. Well, they put up 24 goals in five games against the New Jersey Devils. Maybe that's the problem. Maybe they scored too much against the New Jersey Devils. They 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 maximize all their scoring. They just they emptied the tank in goals in that one series. They should have saved a few. You didn't need to win 6-1, but you just needed to win 3-1. Carry some of those goals over. But we can't do that now, can we? No, no. And it's you say revisionist history. Sometimes you say in football, it's the Monday morning quarterback. I know it's now Tuesday, but Everyone we've talked to, whether it's been today on the show, yep. whether it's the the analysts that are on TNT, the way the Canes have played, you wouldn't expect them to be down 3-0 in this series. Just no. based on style of play of how this series has unfolded. And, and the flip side of that, too, I mean, I wouldn't expect the Canes to be up 3-0. But no. just how close it's been to say, oh, well, the Panthers have a 3-0 lead. I wouldn't suspect that. One other thing I want to ask you, Dennis, have you goofed this up yet to where we've got the Florida Panthers and the Carolina Panthers? Have you goofed that up yet? I don't. <laughs> oh, no, I do it all the time. Yeah. I trust me, I'm doing it all the time. Apologies in advance to anyone listening or watching if I've done that at any point oh, today, it but it's uh, it's inevitable that, that that's going to happen. It is inevitable nonetheless. Uh, but, yes, the, the Canes – Easily could be up 3-0 in this series. This this series should be 2-1 in one way or the other. Yeah. That's the way the series that's, should be right now. That's where I'm at with it. And it's but it's not. But it's not. But there are some players that gotta step up. A lot of people they, they point out, okay, obviously Sveshnikov is out. Patch Ready has missed basically the entire season, but there was a noticeable difference in those five games that he played in terms of just what he brought to the ice. Now, 
for a lot of people want to say, all right, the stars for Carolina have to step up. Can't just point at Sebastian Ajo. Because I guarantee you the other team, the Florida Panthers, is looking at it and going, we got to stop that guy. So, Martin Natchez, where are you? You had your worst playoff game yesterday. Table Terra Vinen, you've done jack, jack squat since you've come back. And you know what? Yes, Perry Kokaniemi, where are you, bud? The accountability has to be we and yes. not me, just not just one individual. It's everybody. Yeah, it's, 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 it's everyone. Everybody. You can't just point out for Ajo for not scoring. It's a lot of guys who are not contributing offensively.